This Week in Church, Pastor Robin McKinley continues his AD series with pure joy. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for free coffee, free baked goods, a worship service, and a sermon to follow. The church is located by the Coventry Mall on Laurelwood Road. Here's one of the best scripture verses for us for any day that we would live, whether it be back in Bible days or today. It's in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Well, as we look through the book of Acts, a prevailing theme, and they're, I believe they're trying to make it clear on this video, which mirrors our own lives to a somewhat lesser degree, degree that the trials and tribulations that the church experienced uh, as they move the gospel forward. As we know, persecution for our faith hasn't gone away. But it seems far away to us as Americans. Our persecution is usually pretty tame. A liberal movie or article, maybe an ACLU case, or a job promotion slight. But according to Open Door Ministries, every month around the world, 322 Christians are killed. Every month. Every month. More than 200 churches or church properties are destroyed. Every month. More than 700 acts of violence are committed against believers. That's today. Persecution is real. Whether big or small, things don't always go smoothly for us, do they? We all experience trials on a daily basis to one degree or another. So this morning I'm going to camp out on the word trials. Trials happen. What exactly is a trial? A trial is an act of trying, a testing, or getting to the proof. We use it in a courtroom set setting where somebody is on trial and we are trying to prove them, or uh, trying them to prove the truth. Or an athlete might run a trial or have many trials 
before the actual race will start. Or, as we saw on the announcements, sometimes there are many trials to a recipe. But all of these examples, we see that the purpose of the action of trying is to bring something or someone to perfection to be the best to be true. What exactly is happening when we have trials in a spiritual sense is that our faith and our character are being changed, tested, and transformed to make us more Christ-like. Here's what James says. James says, all joy, pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Peter tells us, in all you do, rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in many kinds of trials what do both of those paragraphs have in common they both say it is a joy to have trials we must have joy or rejoice well, for the new believers in the book of Acts, trials weren't just running out of gas or spilling coffee in the car or having to park way down on the other end of the parking lot when it's raining. Trials were intense. When Peter penned these words, Christians were dying at the hands of the Romans every day. So when we consider the persecution in Acts, we have to ask why does God allow us to suffer? Let's look at the question of pain and suffering more closely. There aren't easy answers, but there are answers. For the sake of argument's sake today, let's just put God on the stand. Okay? I mean, don't we accuse him anyhow? Don't we accuse him of allowing bad things to happen to good people? You don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many times have you said, or have you said, I wonder why God allows that to happen? That's putting God on the stand. That's putting him on trial. Aren't we saying that he's failing to be omnipotent? He's failing to protect us? So we'll start looking at the Old Testament example in Exodus chapter 17. It says they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Isn't this precisely what we do when God allows something unpleasant to happen in our lives? Aren't we actually saying the creator of this universe is wrong? Like Israel, we indict God. You see the irony of this mentality? Judging the judge? What audacity. 
how foolish to accuse God. Or, in your mind, is he guilty? Well, let's take a look at the following questions. Why does an omnipotent God permit bad things to happen to good people? Well, we'll take a look at this question, but we're going to take a look at it in two sections. So I'm starting your notes now, if you'd like to follow along with your notes. Why does an omnipotent God permit bad things to happen? Let's go with that part. According to the Bible, we all know that God is perfect and holy. He never errs. He's never surprised. I like what Mark Lowry said one time. He says, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? He's everywhere. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. He exists outside of time. He knows our future. And therefore could protect us from tragedy if he wants to do that. Is this reasonable? That we should live a lollipop in a lollipop land with blue skies and birds singing as they flutter past rainbows and butterflies and chocolate waterfalls. Our experience tells us that that's not reality. In fact, we know that our world is dangerous. What are we really suggesting, though, is this. We expect everything to be easy. If a loving God is really in charge, right? He will protect us. He will save the helpless from harm. I mean, isn't that our mentality sometimes? Is this what God does? We certainly think he should. If he loves us, life easy right and the answer is an unequivocal no Jesus made that clear he said in our life we would have problems these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulation but take courage I have overcome the world you know, Jesus didn't have it easy when he lived on this earth. He went through trials. And if Jesus is going to go through trials, what makes it any different that we should have to go through trials? All 12 of the apostles went through trials. If they went through trials, and many of them led to their death. Let's just keep going. God has permitted a broken world. How did he get broken? It's a world that we damaged by our choice to sin. And, you know, you, got, you can say, well, it was Adam and Eve way back in the Garden of Eden. I want to tell you something. If you'd have been Adam and if you'd have been Eve, you'd have done the same thing that they did. We would have all fallen along the way somewhere. So evil is obviously real. So why does... God allow it. Why doesn't he stop it? The truth is, the answer to that question, I said there's answers to every question, 
is we don't know. And we've got to admit to it. We've got to admit that our ignorance on why a tsunami hit and thousands of people got killed, or why there was a senseless shooting in a school and many innocent children got killed, all we can say is we're living in a broken world. We're living in a world that is run by sin and sinful people with broken people who make broken choices. And God has given us all the right, the freedom to make those choices. It's the only way to have genuine love from someone. We must choose to love on our own accord. Not have some God candy coat it and make everything skipping and jumping rope and sticking your finger in a chocolate ball. And it's not going to happen, friends, because we would love him because he does all that stuff. Let me tell you, if we can love him in a broken world, we are going to be rewarded in an unbroken world forever and forever. So we don't know everything. And that's okay because God does. And we trust his judgment because he is righteous. His track record makes clear that he is righteous and he loves people. So, let's go to the second part of this question. Why does an omnipotent God allow things to, bad things to happen to good people? Well, are they really good people? I mean, the Bible is clear that we're not good. None of us are good. Oh, but you don't know so-and-so. Okay, I know what the Bible says. It says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. For all have sinned and short of the glory of God. And again, even if we were good, which we're not, a good person doesn't cut it when compared to a holy God. Here's what Isaiah tells us. All of us has, have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and our sins sweep us away. Oh, man, that makes us pretty volatile. But wait a minute. Compared to Adolf Hitler, we're pretty good, aren't we? Yeah. But compared to Jesus, we just don't cut it. We deserve to be punished by a righteous God because we've broken his laws. Our very best effort, our very best, oh, I should have brought this illustration in that we got last night. This illustration we got last night, I mean, our very best effort is a dirty diaper to God. We had a dirty one last night, let me tell you. All right, we had one of the grandkids changing, you know, one near Cindy. Well, the third point is, 
Let's not forget the one who is ruler of the world, Satan. Now, can I bring something to your attention? The first reason is us, okay? Me. I'm, I'm broken in a broken world. The second reason is the broken world that I'm living in and the broken people that are around me. It's not until we get to the third reason that we can bring up Satan, okay? He's not top of the list. He's down the list. Satan is continually at work in the world. 2 Corinthians tells us the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. Do you see what it says there? It says the God of this age has blinded not the believers, not you and I. You can't tell me the devil made me do it. It says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And that's why an unbeliever has a hard time accepting Jesus died, uh, crucified on the cross, risen from the grave and sitting at the right hand of the Father because the God of this age has blinded the unbeliever. That's where the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life and the Holy Spirit says, now I'm going to reveal Jesus to you and you'll be able to call Jesus Lord. But right now, it's the God of this age that has blinded that unbeliever so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan hates He hates Jesus. He hates anything that's holy. He's a thief. He's bent on destruction. He's bent on death and lies that muddy the truth of God's goodness and God's love. But you got to fill this whole blank out yourself. Jesus to the rescue. Jesus to the rescue. Knowing that we live in a broken world that can hurt us, filled with broken people who can hurt us, ruled by Satan who hates us, is it any wonder that suffering comes our way? It's going to come our way. And this is precisely why God invaded our world to rescue us, to restore us, to bring us back to Him through His Son, Jesus, and to take us to a new world where sin not only doesn't rule, but sin doesn't even exist. Amen. So because of His love for us, He loves us too much to let us stay the way that we are, but he helps us to grow up to be like him. So embrace your trials, friends, with joy. What glory does God get when you say to someone, I better get in the fight. So when we say to someone, oh, things aren't going good for me today. I don't know why things aren't going good for me today. No. How you doing? You want to know something? I'm going through a trial right now, but I know God is in control. Hallelujah. Now, you say, that's easy for you to say right now. Friends, I practice doing that in my life. 
when things are not going well. Why? Because I know I'm going to get up and preach this sometime, just like I am today. And I want to be able to say, I've done it. I've gone through the trials, and I've kept my eyes on Jesus. Have I liked it? No. Do I want to go through another one? Absolutely not. But I'm not going to lose the joy. Because a broken world or a broken person or a being who hates me is going to do something bad to me. Does God do things bad to me? No, but he'll allow me to grow and perseverance to grow in my life so I can be more like him. So we need to see trials or a trial as an opportunity. Sovereign God to train you, for a sovereign God to perfect your faith, to come through for you, to make you into his image. He is lovingly shaping your specific trials for your best interests. You know one of the best compliments you could ever have is for an unbeliever to say, I don't like you because you're happy all the time. Friends, I want to tell you something. That's a compliment. And that's an open door for you to say, you know why I'm happy all the time? And you can tell them, I'm not happy all the time. I just have joy in my heart. I just have joy in my heart. He's a loving father who wants to perfect you and me. He wants to provide for you and for me. That should give you great joy the next time it seems like things are falling apart. Make your first reaction thankfulness. Why? Because he says, give me thanks in all things. So make your first reaction thankfulness for his sovereign work in your life. So now the question that we need to answer is this. Do you want to change? Do you want to change? Next question is, do you want to start accepting the trials in your life that will bring you closer to Him? And that's all of them. I just want you to know that. Every trial. Do you want to accept the trials that will transform you to be more like Him and do them with joy? Hand with me, if you will. It's, if that's you, we're going to continue that old-fashioned prayer meeting that we started earlier. And we're going to come and we're going to say, God, I know I'm going to go through them. I just want your help. To, so I can do it with a smile on my face and a, a real authentic smile. That I can do it with joy in my heart. When these trials come and things don't go my way, I can keep my eyes on And I can know that I'm going to grow in my faith and in my endurance. Come if you will. It might not be easy. It might not be fun. It might seem devastating to you. But in the end, of the pressure and the heat process, the heart of coal will be a heart of diamonds. Hallelujah. There's a scripture in Psalm 
81 says, In your distress, you called, I rescued you. I answered you out of the thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribeth. God was patiently testing the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 17. Even though he parted the Red Sea, even though he freed them from the oppression in Egypt, <coughs> they forgot his kindness. They accused him. They put him on trial. In Deuteronomy it says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did in Massa. Do you believe God has your best interest at heart? Do you believe that he will use your trials to conform you to his image? If you believe that, do you believe that your steps are ordered of the Lord? I pray that you would rejoice with genuine joy for all the trials that he's ordained for us to go through. Oh, and by the way, when we put God on trial, he will always be found not guilty.